Hi there, this is Patrick Mayo. Thank you for joining our Bible study. This is Ben David Evangelistic uh, Ministries. And today I just want to do a teaching on condemnation. Um, many Christians are struggling with condemnation. Uh, they are walking around with a guilty conscience, even though they are already born again. Even though God already sees them differently compared to what they were before they were Christians. And we want to talk about that today. You see, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there is therefore, I love this, it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then it says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So if you are a born again Christian, if you accepted Jesus as Lord, confessed him with your mouth and believed as Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. Simple as that. You don't pay anything to be saved. You believe in what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago um, when he died on the cross and rose after three days. Now that you are born again, God sees you differently because you are under the blood. There is therefore now no condemnation. And yet, many Christians, and when I say many, I mean many. I mean today I was actually praying with somebody who was struggling with condemnation. Yesterday I was teaching somewhere, I was preaching somewhere. And um, I noticed that a lot of the people there were struggling with condemnation. Um, this week I've been dealing with a uh, few Christians, including one who is a pastor. And um, they're struggling with condemnation, a, a guilty conscience, this idea that they are held guilty by God for things they did in the past or things they did before they were Christians. And that's what we want to put an end to today. The Bible is very clear. There is therefore. Now, this therefore means that we have to look at what is being spoken before we come to the therefore. The book of Romans is arranged like this. Chapter 1 deals with the problem of sin in man, with the Gentiles. Chapter 2, Paul tells the Jews, you are hypocrites. You point at the Gentiles and call them sin, uh, sinners, yet you yourself are doing what they are doing, which is far worse. Then chapter 3, Paul comes to the conclusion that all have sinned, whether Jew or Gentile, and have come fallen short of the glory of God. Then he says, it is clear that by the keeping of the law, no flesh can be justified because all have because there is not one who is righteous, not what, no, not one. And then chapter four, he says that we have discovered that just like our father Abraham, that righteousness is a gift that comes through faith. Abraham believed God; it was counted, it was imputed to him for righteousness. And then chapter five says that therefore, having peace with God, you see, we have peace with God. We are no longer enemies with Him. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, let me read Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, it says, um, and, you being, and, you has him, and you who are dead in trans trespasses and sin, in time past when you walk according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience, that's obviously not talking about Christians, he's talking about the Ephesians before they were saved, he says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love by which he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us or made us together alive with Christ. And by grace we have been saved. He has raised us up together, made us to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's, let's not get into that. That's a vast and very powerful topic. But we'll veer off if we go in that direction. But what I was trying to say is that we have peace with God now. I was an enemy of God before I was born again. But now that I've accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I have peace with God. There is no longer any enmity. He is not angry with me. You know, um, it's very interesting. You hear a lot of teachings and preachings today where, um, unfortunately, there are people who are pastors and teachers 
even evangelists who speak to Christians as though they are sinners. You keep reminding them. And guess what? I was doing that a few years ago where I thought hammering uh, the sin of people, telling them how bad they are, making them guilty of their sins would make them better. But I noticed it made them worse until I discovered the grace of God, until I discovered the unconditional love of God, a love which is so amazing you can almost call it reckless especially if you read the famous story of the prodigal son or the prodigal father because he was lavish in his love he loved his son at his worst before even his son said sorry and it is the unconditional love and grace which you can actually call it reckless that caused his son to repent and to repent does not mean begging and pleading and crying repent means that they that he changed his mind that he changed his behavior because of the unconditional love he saw from his father. So we have peace with God. Child of God, if you're born again, you have peace with God. God is not angry with you. You are his child. Jesus said, if our earthly parents being evil, think about it, think of the worst dictators, drug dealers, um, some of the most evil men to have lived, like Hitler, Mussolini, um, uh, Joseph Stalin, Idi Amin. There are so many examples you can give them people who are alive now, Osama Bin Laden. I mean, even their children will tell you that I hear people saying my father is a bad man. Pablo Escobar, my father was a terrorist. But guess what? To me, he was good. He took me to the best schools. He did, he, 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 he gave me the best things of life. And they though being evil, right? And did many evil things to, to many people. When it came to their children, their wife and their children, they treated them in a different way, in a unique way. And yet we have this idea that when God looks at us, God is angry with us. God is disappointed with us. I'm talking about if you are born again. This message only works if you are born again, if you have given your life to Jesus. There's this idea that when, you, when, 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 when God looks at you, he's angry at you. And that condemnation is causing many Christians to live out a stressed, depressing, uh, life where they are not reigning. You know Romans 5.17 says that by the disobedience of one man, that is Adam, many were made sinners. But through the obedience of one, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, many have been made righteous. He says we have received much more. You see the gospel is always much more. What Adam did, Jesus did twice more. He, come, he paid the price and then he added unto it much more. So through Adam's disobedience, I became a sinner. But it says, through the obedience of Christ, I've received much more like this. Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And then it says, and therefore we reign in life. My friend, you can't be reigning in life if you're constantly bombarded with thoughts of guilt, of condemnation, of worry, of guilt, and fear. And that's a, that's a place where many Christians are at. And this is because they don't know their identity. Remember, if our earthly parents being evil know how to give us good gifts, it says, how much more shall the heavenly Father give to them that ask? So Romans chapter 8 begins by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. The Bible says that by the law is the knowledge of sin. So if we're not under the law, if we're under grace, then we're not under the knowledge of sin. Rather, I am conscious of righteousness. My friend, you need to get to a place whereby you are conscious of your righteousness, of your identity based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, of the fact that you have been sanctified, you have been made holy, you are a saint. Now watch this. 
if we think on these things dependent on what we have done or our performance, yes, yes then there is no one here on earth that can claim such. But because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, I have a right to claim that I'm righteous. I am sanctified. I am holy. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man is in Christ, I like this, any man is anybody. The Apostle Paul was a murderer. You can imagine if, if he did not deal with condemnation, if he was not righteous conscious, the devil would have used his past life as a persecutor, as a murderer, a witness to the death of Stephen. He could have used that on the Apostle Paul. But when Paul talks about that I was a murderer, you can see clearly that he is not under condemnation. He knows that he has been forgiven. So many Christians were living in these cycles of condemnation and the devil uses that voice of condemnation to hinder the grace of God, the righteousness of God from flowing in your life. So if I walk for two weeks without doing any sin, I'm acceptable before God. But the moment I do something wrong, the devil comes and he whispers these lies into our ears and causes us to be condemned. And that's what I want us to begin by looking at that. The, first of all, if you are born again, there is therefore now no condemnation because you are in Christ Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31 to 34, it's also in Hebrews chapter 8 verses 8 to 12. God says that I'm making a new covenant, not the one I made with your fathers in the, in the wilderness. In, in, in obviously speaking about Mount Sinai, about the Ten Commandments, about the law. He's saying, but this is the covenant that I'll make with them. He says, I'll put the, my law in their, in their minds, write it in their hearts. He says, I'll be to God, them are God, they shall be to me a people. He says, he says that all shall know me, not pastors, not evangelists, not teachers. He says, not prophets. He says, everybody, from the least to their greatest. Then he says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. He says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. My friend, God doesn't remember your sins, your iniquities. They are remembered no more because you are in Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, Christ has redeemed us. Notice it's in perfect tense. It's already a completed action from the curse of the law. This, this, I mean, I'm shocked. And guess what? I was there myself. When I keep hearing Christians talking about we are under curses. No, it says Christ became a curse for us because it is written, Christ uh, curses is anyone that hangs on a tree. So it says the blessings of Abraham have come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. We have received the promise of the Spirit through faith. So I am blessed. I have the blessings of Abraham. I am blessed with faithful Abraham because Christ became a curse for me. So I am not under any curse. I'm not under any condemnation. Praise God. I'm not under any guilt. I don't worry about what I did in the past and even what I'll do in the future. And this is the blessed place of being in Christ. That there is therefore now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So as we're talking about there is therefore no condemnation, the question will arise, what if I sin? What happens when a Christian sins? I want to give you a picture. Just, just use the normal legal terms used in, in the world, at least most democratic nations. Picture a judge. Picture the witness. Then picture the prosecutor. And then you have the defense lawyer, the advocate. And then you have the defendant, the person who is being accused. And like I've said already, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So now watch this. I am the defendant. You are the defendant. Everybody in the world is a defendant, right? Because we are all sinners. God the Father is a judge. 
The devil, of course, you know, is the accuser. In, 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 in uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 to 11, it says that he accuses the brethren before God day and night. And I think we can remember in the book of Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2, in the book of Zechariah chapter 3. And notice, this was before the cross. This is in the old covenant. And that's very significant. We see the devil accusing Job, accusing Joshua the high priest. So he is the prosecutor. Then the question comes, who is, the who is the advocate, who is the defense lawyer, and who is the witness? Now, if you're not born again, you're in trouble. Because the father, being the judge, the Bible says he's the judge of the whole earth. He has to be a just judge, he has to be a good judge. And a good judge punishes sin. A good judge doesn't let you go free because they're in a good mood. A good judge has to interpret the law and meet out the, 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 the required punishment. If God cannot be a just judge, he cannot be holy. If he is not holy, then he cannot be God. That's why God punished sin in Jesus. So Jesus, when he died on that cross, paid the fine for humanity once and for all. That's why whosoever believes in him does not need to perish, but rather they have everlasting life. So in this picture, the devil is a prosecutor. He is accusing you, telling you of things you have done, or things you are doing now, or things you will do tomorrow potentially which again is an interesting thing. And God the Father is the judge. But watch this. The Father who is the judge loved you and I so much. He sent Jesus to pay the fine. So now because I am in Jesus Christ, the fine has been paid. I am scot free. That is why therefore there is no condemnation. And even when a Christian sins, listen to me very clearly. Even when a Christian sins, notice whenever a Christian sins, the first thing that happens is the devil bombards you, bombards you with a barrage of negative thoughts, of stress, of depression, of condemnation, of guilt, of doubt, of worry. He will make you question your salvation. He will put thoughts into you like, you know what, this Christianity thing is not for me. It's too hard. I have failed God. God is angry with me. And most times he will put these thoughts in your mind in the first person. He will not come like, oh, I am the devil telling you or suggesting this to you. He will speak to you in the first person. But watch this. The devil accuses me. Let's say, person, let's say, let's say, let's say I sin. I look at a woman lustfully. The Bible says that's a sin. Even if I look at, at her lustfully in my heart. So the devil immediately comes and tells me, I am lustful. You have sinned. You are a bad person. But watch this. I have a defense lawyer. Who is this? First John chapter 2, verse 1 says. If any man sin, he's talking about Christians, we have an advocate. <laughs> I love this. He says, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father. He says, is Jesus Christ the righteous? So Jesus is my advocate. Notice, not my prosecutor. He says, he is my advocate. When? He says, especially when I sin. So whenever I sin, Jesus comes and becomes my advocate. The devil starts shouting of uh, condemnation and guilt. Jesus defends me. He's my defense lawyer. And not only Jesus, Hebrews chapter, sorry, sorry, Acts chapter, sorry, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and verse 32. It says that the Holy Ghost is our intercessor. In the book of John chapter 14, 15 and 16, the Holy Spirit three different times is described as our counselor. That word counselor is a Greek word, parakletos. It's the same word used in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. If any man sin, Jesus is our advocate, our parakletos. Wow. So not only do I have one defense lawyer, I have two advocates. 
Jesus and the Holy and the Holy Spirit. So you tell me, what is it that the devil can accuse me of that Jesus and the Holy Spirit cannot defend me of? <laughs> I'm telling you, my friend, know who you are in Christ. It will save you a lot of trouble from religious thinking. And one watch this. There is a witness at the stand. So who is the witness? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Let me begin from verse 22. It says, you have come unto Mount Zion. Notice what it says. From verse 18, it says, you are no longer in Mount Sinai. You know, you're not come to the mountain of judgment, of condemnation. He says you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. He says to an innumerable company of angels. Then he says to God, the judge of all. So God, our father is the judge of all. And then he says, we have come to the spirit of just men declared perfect. The moment I became born again, the Bible says that I've become the spirit of a just man who has been declared perfect. Declared by who? By God the Father. Why am I perfect? Because I accept Jesus. He sees me through the blood. So he says you have come, you have been declared to be the spirits of just men made perfect. Of course, men and women. So when God sees me, he sees me through the spirit realm. I am the spirit of a just man made perfect. So the devil has no right to condemn me. The devil has no right to remind me of my sin. The devil has no right to say anything about anything whenever I sin. Rather, Jesus becomes my advocate. The Holy Ghost is my intercessor, my paracletos, my advocate. And Hebrews 12, 24, it says we have come to the blood of sprinkling that speaks. Notice this, the word, the blood is still speaking in the present time. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. When Abel was killed by Cain, his blood cried out for judgment. His blood cried out for condemnation, for justice. But the blood of Jesus, <laughs> hallelujah, the precious blood of Jesus for every believer, it speaks better things. It speaks forgiveness. It speaks mercy. It speaks, and the interesting thing about this, the Greek word used for speak in Hebrews 12, 24 is a Greek word, eulogio. I think you may have heard that word before. Whenever you go to your funeral, there is something that is usually read out about the deceased called an eulogy. I don't think any of you have ever heard a, a bad eulogy. Even if the person was a thief, in the eulogy you'll hear about he was a son of so-and-so, he was a good person. Even if the person was a drug dealer, every eulogy I've ever had always speaks good things. So the blood of Jesus is a continual eulogio, something that speaks good things, better things. And not only that, in Galatians chapter 3 verse 9, says for as many as in Christ Jesus we are blessed with Abraham watch this that word blessed is the Greek word which means to swear to, to mean to be well spoken of so because I'm in Christ I am always well spoken of so whenever I sin watch this the blood of Jesus which is a witness speaks good things for me speaks better thing than the blood of Abel can you imagine there in that but what the devil usually wants us to do in religious thinking is when you sin, start confessing about how much of a sinner you are, how much of an addict you are, how much of a mistake you are, how much of a, a defeated person you are. You know, language of defeat. Instead of saying what I am, because I am in Christ, the blood speaks better things for me. Jesus is my advocate. The Holy Ghost is my paracletos. He's also my advocate. The Father has declared me to be the spirit of a just man made perfect. And the word perfect there is interesting. It's a Greek word teleos, which means to be complete. So God declared me to be perfect before he knew me, before, sorry, before he formed me in the womb. Wow. 
when God declared me to be the spirit of a just man made perfect, he put in account, into account all the sins I will ever commit. So God plans in advance. God already knows my life 70 years from now, 100 years from now. So when he calls me the spirit of a just man made perfect, he has already put in account everything wrong that I will ever do. Isn't that amazing? Why is it now? You may, some of you may be thinking, this is too radical, this is too much. Now, there is a reason why you're enjoying that. Because somebody paid the price for your sin. Somebody took your place. His name is Jesus. On that cross, he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin. He became curse. He took my guilt. He took my condemnation. He took my judgment. He took everything wrong I ever did. And now there is a divine exchange because when I got born again, you know, Smith Wigglesworth also said something. He says, Holy Communion, whenever I take the, I drink the blood of, sorry, whenever I take the drink that reminds me of the blood, whenever I, I, I take the bread that reminds me of his body, he says that Holy Communion is the exchange of his life for yours. So when I become born again, there was a divine exchange. Romans chapter 5 verse 21 says that God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for me. So I've been made the righteousness of God in him. So I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When I accepted, this is the benefit of salvation. When I accepted Jesus personally as my Savior and Lord, there was a divine exchange. My sin for his righteousness and holiness. My guilt and condemnation for freedom. My curses for his blessing. My bondage, my, my everything bad for liberty, for freedom, for deliverance. There was a divine exchange. These things don't come Grace is not cheap, my friend. Grace is very expensive and it cost Jesus his life. It cost him his blood. But praise God, he was raised on the third day. And because I've confessed him with my mouth as my Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I am saved. I am free from condemnation. So, somebody might be asking, evangelists, are you saying that, um, you know, when, I, when a Christian sins, there are no repercussions or that they should not repent? That's not what I'm saying. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 is very clear. It's actually, let me begin from verse 7. It says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Then it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Then it says, But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I'm saying is that when you sin, the devil and religious people have no right whatsoever to call you a sinner and to condemn you. And that's what I'm trying to kill, the voice of condemnation. Look at, let's consider Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Seeing therefore that we have a great high priest who is passed into the heavens. He says, who is this priest? Jesus, the Son of God. He says, let us hold fast to our profession. Profession there actually the word is confession. And he says, what, is the, what are these confessions about? Is it conf saying confession of sin? No. No, most times when Christians hear confession, the first thing I think about is negative things. But the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you become saved. So there actually, is actually a positive side to confession. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, and he who loves it shall eat the fruit thereof. And then Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 says that by your words, you are snared. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, chapter 12, verse 31 to 34, that by your words you shall be justified, and by your own words you shall be condemned. So, he 
says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 verses 14 let us hold fast to our confession let us hold fast to our confession then he says for we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses but he was tempted notice he's talking about the area of sin he was tempted in all points like as we are yet he was without sin he's talking about Jesus he says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace at whom obtain find obtain forgiveness uh, sorry at whom obtain grace and find uh, sorry you made obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need is that art interesting we are told here that we should come boldly confessing our sin but also confessing our position in Christ let me give you an example when you are born again and you sin this is how you repent don't start saying oh look at me I'm a terrible person I'm a sinner you will be negating what Jesus has already done for you because you are declared to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus rather this is what you should do father I know I have missed it I've watched pornography I know that there is therefore now no condemnation for me so right now I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for me and that I have been forgiven he says let us hold fast to our confession why are you holding fast because things will happen in your life oh Christian that will make it make you doubt your position in Christ that will make you doubt your righteousness your holiness your favor before God but he says hold fast to your confession don't change it say what the Word of God says about you amen stop confessing your weakness stop confessing your guilt rather say thank you Jesus I know I have I have lasted after this person I know that I spoke badly but I thank you that you paid the price for my sin and now I come boldly to the throne of grace my friend you can't come boldly if you're full of fear intimidation guilt condemnation worry you come boldly as though you're coming to your own father so he says let us therefore come boldly i usually think of boldly <laughs> those of you who are wrestling fans you can remember how the wrestlers used to come inside with their nice uh songs you know uh, like <laughs> yeah they used to come with their nice songs and you could see the boldness the splendor the extravagance that's what it means to come boldly he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Notice it's not the throne of condemnation. It's not the throne of guilt. It's not the throne of judgment. This is for the born again Christian. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. So when you sin, come boldly to the throne. Say, Father, I have missed it, but I thank you that the blood of Jesus has made me clean. And now I receive grace not to sin anymore. That is more powerful than begging, pleading, crying and condemning yourself because of a devil who has no right to condemn you. My friend, as a Christian, don't play the devil's advocate. Don't put other Christians down. Stop telling them they are sinners. Stop telling them they are guilty. Rather, remind them who they are in Christ. Lift up a brother or sister when they sin. Stop condemning them because Jesus doesn't condemn them. You say, where is that in the Bible? Romans chapter 8 verses 28 says that we know we know identity that all things work together for our, for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose then he says those whom we foreknew those who he knew before the foundation of the world he designed it that they should be conformed to the image of his son he says those whom he he he, he predestined he called 
and those whom he, whom he has called he has justified which means he has declared them to be righteous and those whom he has justified he has also glorified it's a finished work i am predestined i am called i have been justified and i am glorified in god's eyes i am already the finished product and that's how we need to start seeing other people including ourselves then he says verse 31 romans 8 31 what then shall we say to these things if god be for us who can be against us he says he who spared not his own son jesus but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things god already loved you so much that he already sent his son to shed his blood what is this that you have done that is so wrong that is so big that god is not willing to forgive you in fact i want to shock you and tell you something my friend whenever when you became born again all our sins were forgiven past present and future you say how can you say that because when jesus died he put in account every sin for all humanity past present and future and for the born again christian so long as i'm born again i am seen by the blood so does that mean that now i have a license for sin no grace is not a license for sin romans 6 2 says that what then shall we say then shall we continue in sin the grace may abound this is god forbid how shall we who are dead to sin, dead to sin live any longer in it so grace is obviously not a license for sin rather it's a power to overcome sin because when you understand the unconditional love of god the overwhelming reckless love of god you know what it does it changes you you give yourself more willingly and freely to god not in a religious way not out of fear but out of love because the word of god says that there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear of torment there is no torment awaiting me rather i am loved by god i am declared as righteous so he says those whom he says um who shall lay anything to the charge of god's elect that is romans 8:33 who can accuse god's people he says it is god who justifies which means that it is god who has declared us to be righteous then he says who is he that condemns watch this it is christ who died who is risen again who sits at the right hand of the father what is he doing at the right hand of the father he is making intercession for us he is my advocate he does not condemn me so that voice of condemnation that has been condemning you and sometimes the devil will use people including christians to condemn you it's not the voice of your father it's not the voice of jesus it's not the voice of the holy spirit the holy spirit convicts the devil condemns what is the difference conviction is patrick you have missed it but let me point you to jesus let me remind you that you're under the blood let me point you to the throne of grace so that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help you in the time of need condemnation is the voice that makes you feel bad guilty and makes you regret and doesn't offer a solution to your problem that is the difference and i don't care whether it's even if it's me myself who is condemning you that is not of god god convicts you and he encourages you you get what i'm talking about so he says who is he that condemns he says it is christ who died jesus who died who is risen again he makes intercession for us so jesus who is supposed to condemn us sorry he was, has the only right in the universe to condemn you the only one who has the right in the universe to condemn you is jesus but look at this say he doesn't condemn us he loves us he says that he doesn't convict us he is making intercession for us before the father so most times the voice of condemnation comes from the devil rather jesus loves you if you are born again he loves you and he cares about you 
And that's what I was talking about today. I just want you to understand that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. If any man is in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for him. To God, you are a new creature. You are saved. He loves you. Even when you sin, don't focus on the sin. Look to what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago on the cross. You understand what I'm talking about? Let me finish with this analogy, which I had from Pastor Joseph Prince. That has been such a blessing to me. Picture two families on the night of, of the Passover. Family number family A has taken the blood of the lamb, sprinkled it on the doorpost, and family B has done the same. And we know that on the night of the Passover, the angel of death, actually the Bible doesn't call him an angel, it was the destroyer, the word is the destroyer. And you know who destroys? Uh, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but for to kill, to steal and to destroy. So the angel, the, the destroyer who was the devil, came at night to execute judgment on the Egyptians. Now remember, Egypt is a picture of the world. And the Israelites are a picture of the, of, of the children of God, that is the Christians, those who are born again. So picture these two Jewish families that have put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. Family number A spent the whole night begging, pleading, crying, confessing, repenting. <laughs> and family B was just relaxing. They were eating, they were fellowshipping. Maybe they were even watching a Christian program. Maybe they even broke bread together. In the morning of the two families, which one was spared and which one was judged together with the world? Some of you may say family A because they are repenting and pleading. Some of you may say family B. But let me tell you the, 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 the answer. Both families were spared. Why? Because the blood of the lamb spoke on behalf of them. Now remember, we are talking about not just lambs, mere lambs whose blood expires after 48 hours. Because blood dies after 48 hours. The blood of Jesus. <laughs> the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things for you than the blood of Abel. This blood is continually speaking on your behalf. It doesn't condemn you. It reminds you that you are a child of God. It points you to the throne of grace so that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help you in the time of need. So when a Christian sins, our confession is not of condemnation or guilt. Our confession is, yes, Father, I have sinned. And remember, he already knows this because he, he is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. So you already put into account everything you'll ever do. You're not shocking God and you tell him the, the wrong thing you've done. Rather, what you're doing is you're just admitting, Father, I've failed, but you know what? I thank you that you love me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I thank you because the blood of Jesus is over, my, over me. There is therefore now no condemnation. My friend, when you start to view your Christian walk like that, it will change your life. You will see things differently and your experience will be different. Thank you for watching and for following us. I pray that God will bless you. And I just want to pray for you right now. Every person who is struggling with condemnation, fear, guilt, judgment, unnecessary regret, and yet you are born again, yet God loves you, I put an end to all those voices and I rebuke them now in Jesus' name. I speak life and life in abundance over you. I speak the blessing of Abraham and the blood of Jesus that speaks good things over you and the blood of Abel. God bless you and Jesus loves you dearly. Thank you for watching this teaching. Amen. My friend, if you're not born again, this is a great opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
The truth of the matter is that life is short, whether you live 10 years or 100 years. Compared to eternity, you, I mean, life is still short. And my friend, God, the Bible says that God did not create hell for man. He created it for the devil and his angels. But the truth of the matter is, as the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God being a just God, which makes him holy, if he's not just, he cannot be holy, has to punish sin. But look at this. He loved you so much. He loved me so much. He loved the whole world. That 2,000 years ago, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, who died on the cross. He rose on the grave after three days. And through his shed blood, anybody can be saved. And right now, I know you're hearing me. And, you, and, and maybe you're not born again. If you're not born again, if you're not sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I'd like you to pray with me right now. Repeat this prayer after me. Why, why are you repeating a prayer? Because Romans chapter 10 verses 9 to 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then he says, whosoever believes in him, shall not be put to shame. And then he says also that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So right now say, Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. I thank you for dying on the cross 2,000 years ago for my sins. I repent of all my sins and all the, my wicked ways. I look to you, Jesus. And I thank you that your blood washes me white as snow right now. I thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I thank you that you have sealed me right now, permanently marked me with the Holy Spirit of promise who will keep me until the day of my death or when you return to take your church from this world. I thank you, Father. I believe, I, I believe right now that I'm born again, that I'm saved. I believe in my heart that Jesus rose from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I I'm saved. Praise God, my friend. Now that you've prayed that prayer, now that you've received those, recited those words with me, you are born again. It's by grace alone through faith. It is not of your works. It's not what you can do or what you have done or what you will do. You have been saved because you've put faith on what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. I'll encourage you to read the, get a Bible, download it on your phone, or if you can get a physical Bible, maybe you have one at home. I'll encourage you to start reading the Gospel of John. It has 21 chapters. If you read the gospel of john um a chapter a day you'd be done in three weeks so start reading from the gospel of john uh if you have any inquiries any i i have a discipleship book that i could send to you i wrote a book for discipleship just in case you didn't uh, it will answer a lot of questions you have and a lot of challenges that christians usually have so uh, write to me patrick mayo to our f social media pages on facebook or our email addresses on our facebook page you can send me an inbox and I'll be glad to be of help to you. for the king.